Hello and welcome. This is Background Screening Tips and Tech with me, Tim Santoni. And today we have a great guest, Darren Lipscomb of Fairly is joining us. Darren, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, thank you, Tim. So currently, Darren is the, the founder and CEO of Fairly, which is a web-based technology that leverages AI or artificial intelligence for social media screening. About 90% of their clientele are, are background screening companies or CRAs. In August of 2021, Fairly raised uh, uh, some seed funding from Artesian as well as 30 other angel investors. And they're uh, namely, you know, Dave Dickerson of, of Accurate, which is amazing. The other industry veterans supporting the, uh, Darren and his team on an advisory board and, and other investing capabilities are, uh, you know, industry pros that bring a ton of knowledge. Uh, Darren has a degree from Virginia Tech, and he's a 30-year veteran of the technology industry, including launching several software startups with successful exits. His companies have provided unique forward-thinking strategies, primarily focused on Fortune 500 companies, government organizations, both at the federal and state level. Prior to launching Fairly, Darren was the global CTO for Public Safety and Smart Cities Division of Hitachi Data Systems, and that was formed from the acquisition of his company, Avrio Group, in 2014. Uh, he founded Avrio Group in 2003, and within five years became known as the industry leader and premier citywide video surveillance and smart city company companies in North America. Uh, Darren, uh, that's my intro, but is there anything personal that, that our, our listeners should know about you beyond the professional? Because I think that the industry experience and the success piece for itself, but uh, I know you have two uh, retrievers there uh, in the background waiting to, to get your attention, but share with us something yeah. that you enjoy doing when you're not uh, working on the company. Two golden retrievers and and three boys in various stages of their young adulthood. So uh, it keeps me pretty busy. How old are your boys? So they range from 24 down to 17. So nice. You're um, in it. That's awesome. Well, yeah. uh, we want to bring but, Darren uh, on my, because I think my golden, retriever, my golden retrievers pay more attention than my boys to me than my boys do. So that's that's that I, I can understand that. Um, so, you know, Social media screening is becoming kind of something that uh, is getting a lot of press and a lot of hype and adoption, but we wanted to uh, bring Darren on to get his industry insights and give some deeper dive into what's really happening with regard to um, this industry. So first off, I guess, Darren, you know, th the first question is, is, is social media background screening legal? Yeah, there was um, early on in this market, I think there was a lot of misinformation. I, I don't think people knew, you know, um, FTC hadn't really looked into it or ruled. So there was a lot of confusion in the market. I think that's been mostly resolved um, after FTC looked into it. I think, you know, it's it's public information. That's number one. Um, and secondly, as long as the provider, the CRA, if you will, follows FCRA guidelines, then it absolutely is legal. Um, there's certain things that, you know, you sort of have to be aware of. Uh, certainly EEOC plays a role. Um, but I would say that what's not legal, um, certainly not under FCA if, if the company's not following that, but if they have their hiring managers actually performing ad hoc reviews of their candidates' social media, um, like Facebook, um, you know, you can imagine the inconsistencies, you know, the possible errors in this approach. Um, and, and I think if you really take a step back, it, it, it kind of removes the whole premise of why FCRA was created, which is to protect the candidate, right? Um, so to give them a recourse if, if the employer got it wrong, the data was wrong. So that's why we always, you know, 
It absolutely is legal. Uh, you need to outsource it to a firm that follows FCRA rules and regulations and provides consistent, you know, thorough and, and probably more importantly, repeatable processes. Yeah. And I would argue that it's probably more likely that employers are doing unlawfully reviewing social media on their own, yeah. which is more illegal than it would be to go through a reputable source and using filters and, and, and obtain the right information with the proper releases anyway. Um, it's just that no one's that's not coming, you know, that that's not coming front and center um, until. Yeah, and, you know. and there's other implications there to that. Um, you know, we wrote a blog article on this. Um, when you, you think about a big, you know, organization with multiple divisions, multiple hiring managers, if they're all sort of doing their own ad hoc reviews of social media, you know, it really allows for implicit, those implicit biases to, to seep into those and the decision-making and I think HR needs to play that role of sort of gatekeeper where it says, well, no, we don't want you doing that. We want to centralize this role and we want to remove any of those possible implicit biases there. So not to mention, you know, bypassing or, or causing um, an issue with the EEOC. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Consistency is key. Is key. Um, so, in your experience, you know, why are companies turning to social media, you know, as a mechanism to vet candidates beyond just the typical criminal searches and verifications of education and employment? Well, I think there's a lot of factors going on, um, you know, not the least of which is just what's happening with, you know, political polarization and cancel culture. But I think that, you know, companies are coming to realization that there are risks associated with what their employees are posting online. And they could be held liable, whether that's through lawsuits or simply public, you know, opinion um, doesn't matter. There's a, you know, there's ultimately there, they don't want to hit to their brand. Um, and I, also, I think, you know, they want to create a proper culture and a reduced turnover costs. And those are also big motivating factors that are kind of driving this, um, the adoption uh, uh, much higher. The rates are um, this year anyway, have gone through the roof. Um, and then you have COVID on top of it, more people working remote, you know, it's, it's harder to figure out what this person's about, what's their character. I think all those things play a role. Yeah, it's a good point too. Those people working remote, their impact on and touching customers, clients, and potentially, you know, their coworkers is, is less, but their, their, their other things that they may be doing that impact the brand right. uh, are, are even more crucial. Yeah, uh, but- Darren, you know, as you've kind of scaled up this business and you've seen where it's gone, you know, who are the early adopters? What industries do you think can benefit the most? You know, what, what is kind of your, your, your high level view of where, where things are going with regard to the social media screening? Yeah, I can, I can speak certainly from our sort of path here, but you know, we saw early adoption from college and professional sports. Um, and then soon after, you know, public safety organizations, uh, nonprofits, social media influencer vetting, um, but again, any in reality, any organization that places emphasis or premium on their brand um, seems to gravitate to to social media screening. So we're really seeing it across the board in, in all industries. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and before we jumped onto the podcast, uh, Darren and I were talking a little bit about the fact that one of the, the key factors is is the technology, which which is the AI that we'll talk a little bit about the speed, which which means the speediness of the information that could be obtained and the cost going down. So it's almost as if the adoption comes from the fact is, is that some of these organizations can't afford not to based on those two factors. Um, 
So how, what role does AI, I think AI has a lot of, mis, there's a lot of misconceptions about AI. So tell us a little bit about how AI's role in, in the social media screening specifically with Ferretly and your guys' platform. Yeah, I think if you, if you look at um, traditionally the cost, the players in the market and the cost of social media screening um, relative to traditional background checks, it's, it's really high. Um, in fact, it can double um, many times if someone, even a corporation wants to use social media background checks. Um, and I think that's really what's held back, you know, mass adoption. So AI comes into play because it can reduce the amount of human involvement necessary uh, to analyze, you know, what could be large volumes of posts, images, et cetera. So if you can if you can build a, an automation into the platform such that you can reduce that human aspect as much as possible, we we know that it can't possibly go away. Just like you, you can't remove a human necessarily from criminal checks, right? You need to adjudicate, but um, um, removing that human investigation and review is really key to drive down those costs. And as they come down, so we're seeing. Um, an uptick and um, an adoption and even moving, you know, social media screening can move upstream uh, prior to the job offer, obviously uh, once that price comes down to a, to a reasonable amount. So that that's really been our design goal. When we think about building a platform that allows our analysts to, to provide this, the service, right. Um, the more that we can do in the platform in an automated way drives those costs down for our customers. Darren, just just from your perspective, obviously being on the engineering and the tech side, can you give our listeners just a sense of from the time that, say, a researcher inputs data into your platform, let's just say that they have three or four points of a name, first name, last name, potentially a school, whether it's high school or college, um, and then, you know, age. If you have good identifiers on, on, let's just say, not say a common name, but an uncommon name, how quickly can your technology, in essence, go through that and pull back? based on filters and everything that that's been you know kind of laid out get back to a report or result on on a target. Yeah, so there's two things here, right? There's the front end aspect, we call it identity resolution. In other words, once I have that data those data points about the subject, I need to perform IR. I need to know what their social media presence is, and that has to be plugged into the platform. That's probably where we spend our analysts spend the most of the time. We do have tools built into the platform to make this easier. Uh, you can search, for instance, in Fairly across billions of profiles based on a, um, you know, a name and a location or an email or fo- phone number even. Um, and then we have other more rudimentary tools built in for searching based on name, location, based on each you know, social media platform. Uh, but that is really where the human spends most of the time. Um, the actual platform, once that information is provided and uh, they submit the background check to run, our platform typically can return results within 30 minutes from that. Um, and then from there, there's a redress process uh, because we don't just turn the report over, obviously, without looking at the results. Um, we got to know that the, you know, the, the uh, post, if it was flagged for you know, a particular risk, that, that it truly is a, a risk. And so we do a redress process on that and um, turn the report around. So typically, we um, our turnaround times are probably the best in, in the industry. They're 24 hours. 
And again, that that's reflective also from what we were saying in terms of our design goal, which is to automate as much as we can through our platform. Yeah, and that kind of leads us into another question, which is you talk about the redress or review where your analysts would go through. What are the typical types of information that would be relevant and be reportable uh, you know, on a report when it comes to these types of, of searches? So we're looking at post history, right? Up to, again, we're following FCRA rules. These are um, obviously uh, not private. These are public posts. Um, up to seven years of history, if we're running a report um, based on FCRA use case. Um, so the types of information we're looking at are original posts, replies uh, to posts, um, likes of posts, comments on posts, all the images, et cetera. So even uh, thumbnails on videos, we, we analyze memes, we can extract text from someone holding up a sign, for instance. Um, and analyze that through our risk classifications, which uh, we have 11 currently and uh, uh, anticipating adding more. Wow, that's pretty powerful. So in addition to beyond just the fact of, of having a, a process to follow that's regulated and within those things, the, the, the ability, there's things that you're doing that a human cannot do, right? They're not going to be able to analyze signs posted by someone over you know, several years and be able to get that information back. It'd be physically impossible. Yeah, well, to try to do it at any kind of volume, right? So right. I can I can certainly spend an entire day as an analyst, you know, browsing through someone's Facebook timeline. But if you've ever actually tried to do it, and, and you will determine very quickly how slow that is. Yeah, um, and I so have. <laughs> we just speed that process up, and then we and then humans naturally get tired. Um, they can only look at so many pictures and read so many posts in a given an hour, right? Um, our system doesn't get tired. We, uh, our, our analysis can uh, crank through literally thousands of posts in, in seconds. Um, so just something a, a human cannot do. Yeah, Darren, you made reference to something, the post, public, private. Give, a, give our, our, our listeners you know, a sense of what kind of information are you able to pull back? Is it the public or the private? And you kind of, I know that's kind of could be a moving target, but generally speaking, what, what, what type of information are you able to get pulled back? Yeah, again, only public posts. Um, we we don't require any kind of you know accepting a friend request or connection requests or using a fake account or you know trying to pretend you're somebody else to get access to their network. Connected to them, and typically those posts are available through a direct URL link um, right from a web browser, right? So those are what's truly public. And um, there's also, you have to abide by not just uh, FCRA rules, but also there's 20 some states, I think 28 states now have social media privacy laws. So I can't ask them for, I can't ask my candidate for a password to their Facebook, for instance. And, uh, and so we, you know, um, our systems build around those rules and regulations. Um, so we abide by that and only look at public posts. Gotcha. And which platforms are you currently able to analyze and pull posts from, Darren? So right now, we we tend uh, to focus on the platforms that make um, where the bulk of the users are and the bulk of the growth. There's two aspects, right? So if you look at Facebook, there's over 2 billion users worldwide. Um, so we've added Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, and TikTok. All of them have over half a billion users um, we had a TikTok recently because of the growth rates, so the sheer numbers of, of people that were posting on TikTok. 
Um, and we have plans on our roadmap to add additional ones as well here down the road. Very good. Very good. Oh, and I should say we also pull from web and news. So oh, okay, we take information from the name and location of your subject and then run a effectively a, a web search. And um, we provide that in the report as well. Gotcha. Um, and Darren, before I let you go, I do want to point out that currently fairly, uh, you know, I know that we've talked about there's plans for integrations with both background screening platform software as well as ATS systems. But currently they do have an integration built with Osseo Data, which is a common software platform adopted by many background screeners or CRAs. Um, I would also say they're directly in my interactions that the platform is very robust, very customizable and very easy to use if you're just to go direct. And I know that uh, Darren and his team are able to customize integrations through their API for, for a variety of things. But uh, Darren, before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to add and, and share with us about Fairly and, and kind of plans and kind of what your vision is going forward for, you know, what you'll see in the social media screening side of the industry? So, I, you know, I just want to leave it at, I, I think the adoption has accelerated um, and we're seeing that as, you know, throw on revenue growth rates, obviously. But um, I think, again, it comes back to, you know, bringing the price for a social media report in line or in tune with traditional background checks. Um, I think at some point here in the not too distant future, you know, I think most companies will elect a social media report, but the price has to be a point where it makes sense. And um, that's where you're going to see just rapid adoption, I think, worldwide. Um, we're starting to see that in India. India's a little bit behind um, behind the U.S. market in that regard, but you know, um, we have several partners now, uh, fairly partners in India, and we expect that to be a huge market for us as well. Yeah, and that's a good point. I think that there's a couple of things driving that, right? Compliance around background screening litigation, which is you know the, the criminal and the and the, the more difficulty in obtaining criminal records in a timely and cost-effective manner. You have the case in California and the, yeah. the redaction of information in Michigan as well, making it harder. So it's actually the cost and the time is going up where there's an alternative that's bringing that down and speeding it up. There's definitely an option there. And also some guidance is saying that social media could be necessary in, in, in a similar kind of AI-assisted search is needed to attend to identifiers and information in order to close out some of these other criminal searches. So I, I'm with you. And I think that the, the companies that have been set in their ways in our experience, we've seen that they're slower to adopt because of the compliance issues, but newer tech companies and forward-facing companies, especially startups, they don't even ask questions about the cost involved with social media. They, they just think it's part of the, what should be done and they don't even think about it. But again, yeah. um, I think that from us as being a partner and, and with you guys is that I think it's really, really uh, useful to work with a company that's so forward thinking and really working to drive that down. It makes it easier for us to get it in front of our clients. And we appreciate that. So again, Darren, thanks so much for coming on the show and share, spending some time with our listeners. We'll definitely link up all of Darren's information in the show notes below. You can down download this podcast or vidcast wherever you download your podcasts and stay tuned for, for future episodes. Thanks for coming on the show, Darren. Thank you, Tim.